Let us look together at the portion we've read. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And the whole context, indeed, from 24 through to the end of the chapter, but particularly that verse. Now, this is the portion of the wrestling match that took place at the Brook Chat at the at the Ford Chabok. The name Chabok, in fact, has taken the name wrestlers. Who did who was Jacob's opponent here? In verse 24, it says, they wrestled with him a man until the breaking of the day. In the prophecy of Hosea, chapter 12, in verse 4, we read that it was an angel. And uh, coming back to this chapter itself, when the wrestling match is over and uh, Jacob is going his way, we read Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. A man, an angel, God. This is a theophany. God, Christ, appearing as a man, the Old Testament, before he had yet taken our nature and the miracle of the incarnation, it happened in the New Testament. But God is here wrestling with Jacob. That is the miracle that we have set before us. And we have to ask the question, is this wrestling a physical, literal event. And the answer must be yes, first and foremost, because um, this hip was put out of joint in the, this wrestling match. And when the wrestling match was over, the effects of that uh, being put out to joint followed him. Now that speaks of a literal physical event. Yes, it is a literal physical event, but there are also overtones of spiritual teaching that goes along with each and every part of this wrestling match. And we want to look at it like that the literal event, but also the spiritual teaching that is associated with this event.
First, then, and, 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 and another question before we come into the main body of the teaching here. Who began, who initiated this wrestling match? And without question, it is God himself. It is the angel. It's the angel of the Lord. Jacob was left alone and they wrestled a man with them. They wrestled this angel with them. God wrestled with them. This theoph in theophanic form, God wrestled with them. He initiated it. And then there's the question, and that will take up the rest of our consideration here tonight. What purposes did God have in initiating this wrestling match with Jacob? And there are three main reasons, three main purposes that we want to follow. Give you to them first, and then we'll take them each in turn later. The first is to preserve his messianic program. And I better explain that one right away because it is short but very important. The messianic program was that the there was to be the seed of the woman who was to come and bruise the head of the serpent. But you find as you go on in scripture that is being that 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 is being outlined more fully to us. And we have the knowledge given to us with the covenants with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, that it was through the line of Abraham and then Isaac and then the line of Jacob that the Messiah was to come. Now, if Jacob were to be defeated, if Jacob were to be dismissed from the scene altogether in this wrestling match, then God's purposes would fail. The messianic program would fail. Christ would not come. There would not be salvation. There would not be grace for sinners. And this was God's program to enter into this wrestling match with the intention of doing good. We'll see in a moment, with the intention of doing good to, with the intention of preserving Jacob and thus his own messianic program. That's the first reason, and we'll leave that alone now. But there's two other reasons that we want to follow as well, two other purposes. First purpose was to sanctify, to bring forward the sanctification of Jacob. Jacob, as we saw yesterday when we looked at this portion here, was a good man. A good man from his youth up. And I pointed that out yesterday morning, um, chapter 25 and verse 27, it speaks of Jacob as a plainsman. And the word plainsman there in the rest of Scripture, it's a word translated as a Hebrew word, and it's simply, simply the word tam, and whatever else it's found, and it's found 11 or 12 times, it's always an upright person, a just person, a perfect person, a perfect in the sense of being justified. And that's what you have with, with Jacob one who was justified from very early on, 
in his young youth. Indeed, we have no spiritual birth certificate provided for Jacob. He might, we don't know, but he might have been a, he might have been regenerated from the womb, like John the Baptist, for example. We just don't know. We do know that when he came to Bethel, after having, having fled from home, having cheated with his mother's help, his brother Esau of the, of the birthright, we do know uh, that there was a significant spiritual development, as it were, a, 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 a particularly spiritual episode in his, in, his, in his journey, in his journey, in his, in his spiritual journey. But he is a good man, a good man with many blemishes. It's therefore some people, it's wrong to say that this episode that we have described here in the wrestling match, where he was given the new name, where he was given the name um, Israel instead of the name um, Jacob, instead of being the, carrying the name of supplanter Jacob, the new name Israel, a prince with God. Many take the view that this was his conversion, but uh, surely that was not the case. He was a good man from early on, but as I said, a good man with blemishes. And therefore, what we have here is not so much justification, but sanctification, a program of sanctification under God's hand to cleanse him of the blemishes, as we must all be cleansed of them. Step by step, the enabling of the Spirit through the truth, leading us on into the house of many mansions where nothing unclean can enter. And therefore, Christ must be made not only righteousness and justification to us, but sanctification also to cleanse us. And that's what we have here with, with Jacob, a program of sanctification unto the hand of God to cleanse him step by step, precept by precept, of the blemishes of sin that's still attached to him. Let us try and follow through what happened here then. Let's look first of all at what was literally true in this wrestling match, and then step, take what was what a spiritual teaching within it. Well, the first thing we learned was that God, the man, wrestled with Jacob, and he didn't prevail against him. God wrestled with him, God fought with him, and he didn't overcome him. He didn't prevail against him. Now, that's the, what's literally true. What do we understand from that? Well, we must understand from that that God was fighting against them, wrestling with them, in the sense of bringing a providence into his experience. Which, uh, 
providence brought into existence, what God appeared to be fighting against him. God is there, in the book of Amos we read, is there evil in the city and the Lord has not done it. Now we know that God is not the author of evil. But nevertheless, there's a sense in which God is the manager behind all the events of providence, including such as is here, the providence of that crisis situation that arose in Jacob's life. And a crisis situation in the, in the, in the shape of his brother Esau coming against him. He had um, left home 20 years before. And when he left home, his mother had told him that uh, whenever his brother Esau's rage against him subsided, she would send a message to him to that effect. Well, he had received no message to that effect during those 20 years. We don't know, her mother might have died, but he had never, he had not received a message to that effect. And as far as he was concerned, the rage was still there. And he heard of Jacob, of Esau, he was, was going to meet him, but when he sent messengers, he was told, they're come, he's coming, and he's got 400 men with him. Now, what was Jacob to make of that? He made of it, he's coming with an army against him to avenge his anger against me. And Jacob was afraid. That's why God was fighting against him. He was bringing this crisis situation into the experience of Jacob. And he was doing it with a purpose. The purpose was to sanctify him. The purpose was to make him more submissive to the will of God. The purpose was to make him more dependent upon the grace of God. God's purposes are always good. But Jacob didn't read it like that. Jacob would have wanted, he would have wanted, he would have wanted that this, that this opponent, this, this brother would be taken out altogether. But no, God will not do that. He leaves the crisis situation there in Jacob's experience. He's fighting against him in the sense of continuing to bring this crisis situation into his experience. And in that way, we're told, he was, he, was, he was fighting against him. He was fighting against him to make him submissive to his will. He was fighting against him to bring him to be dependent upon Christ. He was fighting against him for his good. He was fighting against him to sanctify him, to progress a sanctification. And we read... He was fighting against him, but he wasn't prevailing against him. Strange words to speak of 
an opponent with God, not prevailing against him in the sense that Jacob was resisting God's purposes. Jacob wanted the crisis away altogether, no doubt. But no, this crisis is going to be there. God has his purposes in it. And his old nature is still there resisting. Resisting the purposes of God. And in that sense, God was not prevailing. He wasn't bringing him to the point of submission. He wasn't bringing him to the point of dependence on grace. He wasn't bringing him to the point of being cleansed of sin. Of sin. Now, isn't that something that we can apply? Aren't there, can't we see God's hand? And this was something else about Jacob. He didn't even discern God's hand in the, in the fighting against him. Look at what we have in our own day. Look at the COVID-19 that has been with us for so long. Look at uh, what we have in the war in Ukraine and its effects on the economies of the Western world. Look at the major cost of living crisis that we have at this time. That's God speaking to us. That's God fighting against us, in a sense, in order to make to bring us to the point of submission, in order to bring us to the point of prayer, in order to make us dependent upon himself, on his grace, to sanctify. And we remain deaf to all God's words. We don't even discern God's hand in it. Politicians speak of it as something that they're going to control. But it's God who's speaking, God fighting against us with the intention of bringing us to submission. Well, there you have the first part, God fighting against him, but not prevailing. And it's at that point that we read in the wrestling match that the man, left it come us, the man touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and he put his hip out of joint. And he did so, so that he could not fight anymore. He could only cling on. Now, what teaching are we to see there? Well, first of all, it's a miracle that happened there. A miracle. It's impossible when you're at full talk in a wrestling match to have your hip put out of joint. The sinews encase themselves round the joint so that that can't happen. There was an exercise that in the days when men spent a lot of time on the shielding, uh, there was a, 
an exercise that they would enter into, a test of strength. It's called the Magilyashk, uh, literally the lazy, lazy stick, where two men would sit down on the ground facing one another with their legs extended towards one another and their heels, their heel and toe touching one another. And they then took the stout piece of wood, stout walking stick, each took a hold of it with the intention of pulling the other one off the ground. And when that was the case, it was impossible for the hip to be put out of joint because they were at full tucked in their wrestling, in their, in their, in their, in their, in their exercise. Couldn't happen. It can only happen, so I'm told by med medical men, when you are, when your foot is loose, as it were, when you trip, but not when you're at full tot. But it was when he was at full tot that this happened, making known to him. I don't know if he understood the, the nature of the exercise, the nature of the hip being put out a joint, but God made known to him anyway. Your opponent is not mere man. Your opponent is none other than God himself. That was the first teaching that was there. And Jacob, if your opponent is God himself, you've been resisting him. You've been doing your utmost to do despite to him, to oppose him. That is your sin. And he saw things in a new perspective. God's dealing with him now to bring him to realize something of that sin. And it's not so much getting rid of the crisis, the physical crisis. It's now, oh, that I could be more submissive to the will of God. That's what becomes an issue with him now. He sees something, he sees that he's fighting against God. He sees the sin that is there. There will be, there would be contrition of spirit over it. When you see your sin as against God, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Contrition would be there, something similar to what you have in the case of, of Job. God was striving with him also in a way, and there came the point where he saw that he was fighting against God. No, mine eye seeth thee, and I repent myself in dust and ashes. Well, something of that will become the case with Jacob. He sees that he's fighting against God. Yes, there must be repentance there. Yes, there must be a turning from what was seeking to get rid of a crisis situation, a new, a new, a new thrust now, a thrust after being submissive to God. Smart was my sin, my lack of submission, enable me to be submissive to thy will. This is often how the Lord deals with his people. When we are wanting to go our own way, he has to 
It is not just of a, that human old nature to some extent, to bring us to realize our sinnerhood and to be contrite over it and to now have a new thrust. And the new thrust was prayer. We read in the, in the, in the, in the prophecy of Hosea that um, he fought indeed, he, 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 he fought with, with, with tears and with tenacity. There was there was no with there was no with with Jacob a, a prayer a persevering prayer a persevering prayer that he would be made submissive to the will of God the very thing that was the that was the very opposite to what was there before the Lord has turned him in a sanctifying purpose and he's now striving he's now yes striving prayerfully perseveringly, that he would be given that grace. And when the Lord says, testing him, let me go, Jacob said, Jacob's able to cling on, cling on and that alone, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. And you can see the teaching there yourselves. When the Lord brings us to that point of contrition over our sin, of seeing the nature of our sin as being against God in the way we were going. And he gives us this persevering prayer to be made submissive to the will of God. That persevering prayer must and will always prevail. And you see, Jacob, God was prevailing, was, wasn't prevailing against him, but now you find, you find, you find Jacob prevailing against God because God will give the blessing. God gave him the blessing. Persevering prayer will meet with the blessing. And when, the, and when, and how we need that persevering prayer. And all oh, that we would be more attentive to the Lord's dealings with us in his providence. And more discerning of his handling of us. So that we would have the contrition and the perseverance in prayer. Not letting him go until he give us that submission of will to himself. And that brings you to the third part of the wrestling match. God blessed him. We read in one of the verses that God blessed him there. Now, what was that blessing? What was that blessing, that persevering prayer of Jacob obtained? Well, we've already touched on some of it. He's already been made submissive to the will of God. He's wrestling, he's clinging on. And I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. That persevering prayer is a blessing that he received. Prayer that the Lord himself gives.
What else is in this blessing? Well, one major thing that's in it is when he submitted to, when he found himself being submissive to the Lord's will, that crisis situation, that threat, that perceived threat from his brother Esau went away. He was able to meet him and they hugged one another as it were and they were reconciled. When we are submissive to the will of God, we find it's the best way. He has to make us submissive at times, but when it does, when it's there, he shows us the blessing that accrues to us. What else by way of blessing was there to Jacob? When I put this to you, I'm, 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 I wouldn't, I, I leave it with you as a, as a thought. That he came to a deeper understanding of the covenant. <laughs> deeper understanding of that covenant. Covenant that was there with Abraham, with Isaac, and with himself. And he saw more clearly than before how his own, his own part in that covenant, how the Messiah must come through his line. Whatever knowledge there had been before of that, and there was some, I take it that there was a deepening of that knowledge, deepening of the understanding of the sovereign grace of God. And that's always a blessing in the life of God's people. There's something that you find in the Chapter 49 of this book, Genesis 49, I forget which verse it is, but it's a chapter where Jacob, as a prophet, is speaking to each of his sons of what was to become of their posterity, of their descendants in the future. There's one sentence that stands out completely out of context with the rest of that chapter. You find it yourselves. Just, I have waited for thy salvation. And I cannot but think that there must be some connection there with that, with, with that sentence, with Jacob's being blessed in the sense of a deeper understanding of the covenant of grace that he himself was to that was to come through his that was to come to fruition through his line. I'm not going to be dogmatic on it, but I leave it with you for your consideration that there was that wonderful blessing, a deepening of understanding of the sovereign grace of God. Sovereign 
grace of God in his covenant of grace. And whether that was the case or not with Jacob, wouldn't it be a great blessing for you and for me to receive at God's hand? God blessed him there. What marks of grace do we see here? Rochelle's on a Friday of communion. Well, I think they're pretty apparent as we've been going along. That when God begins the good work in us, he will continue it. That good work had been begun, I don't know, maybe from the womb in Jacob. We don't know. But what the Lord had begun, despite all the blemishes that were there with Jacob, and who, which of us can cast a stone at him? The Lord was going to bring him to full salvation and only through the sovereign grace of God. Another mark of grace that must be there with us is being brought to a contrition of spirit over the sin that is with us, that can be hidden from ourselves. We think we're doing all right. But the Lord is to show us when we are actually opposing his will, whether we have understood it or to be so or not. As it was with Job, now mine eye seeth thee and I repent myself in dust and ashes. And undoubtedly as it was with Jacob, and as it must be with you, and it must be with me. An ongoing cleansing, and ongoing cleansing will require ongoing understanding of God's way in his providence. And our own um, opposition of it, and to be brought to repentance over it in whatever providence it is, whether it be an outwardly afflictive providence or an outwardly prosperous providence, to be made totally submissive to his will. And there's one other mark of grace that I just want to highlight, must be in the life of the believer, persevering prayer. I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. That um, spirit of wrestling prayer that was with Jacob, not letting the Lord go until he bless, blessing us with a spirit of submission to his own will, injuring, if necessary, if that's the right term to use, the old nature, that it would be that its energies would be, would, be, would be diminished and that we would be unable to go in the way of the Lord. The Lord would give us that spirit of prayer, that spirit of wrestling prayer for our submissiveness to his holy will. Let's pray. Gracious and ever-blessed one, grant us discernment of thine hand 
in every providence. That thou to see right to bring into our experience. Help us to discern a father's hand. Oh, help us to see more of ourselves also. More of our need of cleansing. More of our need of submission. That it would not be take the thorn away. But a realization as with Paul. That the grace of the Lord is sufficient for us. Receive us with the pardon of our many, many sins and shortcomings. In Jesus' name, amen.